Welcome to the Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. Services uh, lately. How many were here last week? How many, come on. Man, I tell you what, the fear of the Lord, the, the, the reverence of the Lord. This is, this is what my vision is. My vision when we started the church is to, that I am not the only one giving you the food. It's because uh, we have to make sure that we have a fivefold ministry uh, giftings here at RCC. So every now and then we get a prophet speaking, thus saith the Lord. Every now and then we get a teacher and a preacher, come on, and an apostle. Uh, so I've been telling you, uh, lately it's been absolutely life-changing. And so uh, I started a series about three weeks ago called From Calling to Destiny. How many remember that? And it was powerful. And I'm going to give you a quick review because it seems like a whole month since I've preached because uh, of the fact that we had Resurrection Sunday. Then we had uh, Enrique. We had some other things. So today I'm going to do part two of From Calling to Destiny. And why do I say that? Because there's a difference between you receiving or knowing about your calling or something that's burning in your heart at one uh, time of your life to do, your purpose. And there's a whole other different reality between you walking that out. A lot of people in the body of Christ, they know or they may not know their calling, but very few is actually walking out that calling. Can I hear an amen? So I want you to turn to your Bibles but be, uh, to Genesis chapter 37. But before we read, I'm going to give you a quick review only because uh, there's a lot of things that I want to review before I get this. And I want you to buckle your seatbelts. Don't let the, the tiredness feeling in the room stop you from receiving the fullness of the Word of God this morning. That's why you come to church. That's why you come uh, here in a spiritual community, because you want to get closer to the Lord. Amen? And we encourage each other. So I want to do part two, but before I give you the, 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 the whole thing of part two, I'm going to give you a quick review because um, the progression of a calling usually starts something like this, okay? Now, a lot of people, when they say calling, they don't know what they're calling, usually starts with something that's burning in your heart for you to do specifically, so it's something when you were a child or something even when you, were, you grew up or when you got saved. You may not know how to do it, but it's a burning desire for something specific. Or it's something that you're very, very passionate about and you don't even know that that's your calling. Come on, say amen. And then the progression goes like, okay, you have something burning to the, to the, to the knowledge of it, then the walking out of it, and then the completion of it. And so last uh, three weeks ago, we actually started a series called From Calling to Destiny, and we looked at the life of Joseph. Everybody say Joseph. Because Joseph had to pass several character tests before he could be trusted with authority and leadership in his life. He had to pass several what I call character tests in order for him, watch this, to graduate from just his calling to his destiny. Do you realize that you could be called and never enter that calling or destiny? Let me take it a little further. You could actually be anointed by the Lord and receive prophetic words from the Lord and never step into that destiny. That is crazy. And some people say, well, that probably wasn't from the Lord. No, people could receive words from the Lord and still not complete their destiny because they don't pass the character tests that are needed throughout our life. Because when God gives you something, he also causes us to pass certain tests to 
to increase our character. Listen to me, because there's a lot of leaders behind leadership positions that have very little character, and they end up hurting people in the process. And you can't shortcut character because you want leadership or influence. And that's not just behind the pulpit. That's in business. That's in finances. That's in family. You cannot shortcut character in order to get a, the, to the promised land. Come on, somebody. You got to go through the Jordan. You got to pass that murky water and you got to go through it. There are things in life that, watch this, we have to go through. But I'm going to give you a little foreshadow today. Some of us are in that process way too long, and we should have got out of it a long time ago. And it's going to be a foreshadow of the second test. But the first test that Joseph had to pass, and it's probably the first test that all of us have to pass in order for us to get, be trusted with any promise of God, let alone the call of God on our life, just any promise, and that was what? The pride test. If you remember, three weeks ago, Joseph had to pass the pride test in order to be trusted. Why? You say pride. Because we think that the people in the Bible are so flawless that they never had issues in their life. We think just because God used somebody. Come on. I know I'm tired, but I'm already preaching good this morning. Come on. Listen. Listen. We think that just because someone was highlighted in the Bible that God forbid that they didn't have any arrogant or prideful issues in their life. Do you believe uh, Samson was a man of God? How did, he, how did he get in trouble? Was it because of the devil or because of his own choice to be with a woman that was not part of the covenant? David was a man of God, but it's not the devil that made him uh, uh, have his family go against him all his life. It's because he looked at a woman and he said, look at that hot mama. I know that she's married. I know I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to commit adultery on purpose. You have to have, there's, there's, Things that God, watch this, puts in your life on purpose so that to see if you could pass them to build your character, to graduate from glory to glory to glory. And we talked about Joseph having to pass the pride test. Everybody say the pride test. And just like Joseph, in order for us to graduate from our calling to destiny, we in this room have to pass certain specific Character, uh, character test, watch this, not just one time in our life, all of our life, all of our life. Now, I say that to say this because uh, I could go uh, uh, forever on, on Joseph, but we're going to do part two of Joseph, and we're going to read a lot of other scriptures because today, turn to someone and say, turn to someone and say, it's going to be good this morning. Turn to someone and say, I need to pass this test this morning. Now, this test that I'm going to share with you is going to bring a lot of hope, but it's going to be a lot of healing because I'm going to prophetically say something to you. Many of you are stuck on this test for many years, and I'm going to share it with you in just a moment. Genesis chapter 37. Remember, the first, the first test he had to pass was pride. You say, why pride? Because the Bible clearly stated that Joseph knew that his brothers hated him. And he, and he said, I'm going to tell them my dream anyways. I'm going to tell them anyways. I'm going to tell them how good my dream is. And oh, not only that, I'm going to tell them they're going to bow down to me. The Bible says Joseph knew that, they, that his brothers hated him, and he shared it with them anyways. And if you remember three weeks ago, what did I say? Because so, I know we're forgetful. Three weeks ago, I said that the brothers hated Joseph. Watch this. Not only because of the dream, but how in the manner and the tone that he shared his dream. Remember that? You could, you could actually say something right, but the delivery is wrong, and it becomes all prideful, and it's all wrong. You could actually say something right, 
in the, and the delivery is prideful and you just messed that up. So watch Genesis chapter 37, verse 18. Oh, I'm feeling the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord, for that. Verse 18, are you ready with me? And you can shout. I'll give you permission to shout. Say amen, glory to God. And when they saw, watch this. I'm going to give you some revelation today. That you're, going to, you're going to run around the church. Come on. And when the brothers saw Joseph from afar off, this is in the amplified version. Watch this. Even before Joseph came near to them, they conspired to kill him. Verse 19. And they said to one another, see, here comes this dreamer and this master of dreams. Verse 20. Oh, I feel the Holy Spirit here. So come now, the brother said, let us kill him and throw him his body into some pit. Everybody say pit. Then we will say to our father, some wild and ferocious animal has devoured Joseph, and we shall see what becomes of his dreams. Let me pause and say, these are not acquaintances that are plotting this. This is his own flesh and blood brother. Does anybody relate? Family? All right? Okay. Now, now watch this. Watch this. Look at verse 21. Now Reuben heard it, and he, del- and, and he delivered him out of their hands by saying, let us not kill him. And Reuben said to them, shed no blood, but, cost, but cast him into this, everybody say pit, pit or well that was out there uh, in the wilderness and lay no hands on him. He was trying to get Joseph out of their hands in order to rescue him and to deliver him again to his father. Hmm. Never saw that before. When Joseph had come to his brothers, they stripped him of his distinctive long garments. That's just a cool word of saying cloak of many colors. My boy had the Armani suit and the bling bling and the color, the purple. I, I guess that was in style back then, the purple, the yellow, the, 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 the blue, the black. And he had his like, look at what's up, boys. I got the special coat for my dad. God loves me more than all y'all. He was talking about, look, look at the coat. And so they went after the coat. They said, you know what, we're going to strip him of that thing that reminds us of his arrogance that shows it off to everybody, right? So they stripped him of the cloak of many colors he was wearing. Watch verse 24. Then they took him and cast him into a well-like pit. Watch this, watch this. Which was empty, and there was no water in it. Look up at me. Today I want to talk to you about the second test that Joseph had to pass and the second test that we all must pass in order to graduate from calling to destiny, and that is the pit test. I'm not talking about your armpit this morning. Some of you have to pass that test too, but, but that deodorant, you solve that quick. Glory to God. No, no, no. I'm talking about in order for you to graduate from where you're at, you've got to pass the pit test. What is a pit test? When you feel stuck in life, when you feel empty in life, when you feel like you're in a hole, when you're in a pit of your finances, a pit of your emotions, a pit, a pit speaks of anything that's deep that you feel you can't get out of and you've been in there for a long time. We've got to have the right attitude to, in order to address the pit seasons, come on, in our lives. And if you don't uh, analyze 
realize and, and, and recognize certain attributes in your pit season, you may stay there for a very long time. Because if you are a Christian in this room, one day or the other, sooner or later, you will find yourself in a pit season. What do you do when you find yourself in a pit? What do you do when your job is not what it, you thought it was and you're in a financial pit? What do you do when your family is acting all crazy and you become and you feel like you're in a pit? What happens when you are in a desert, dry place spiritually? The Bible says they cast Joseph in a pit with no water. Some of you have been in a pit spiritually that you have not had the presence of God touch your life in a long time. And I want to draw some principles this morning from Joseph's major, second major test because I want to see, I want to let you know that it's how we respond to the pit seasons that determines if we're going to stay there longer or get out. It's how you respond when you're thrown into a pit. Watch this. A financial pit, an emotional pit, Right? A family pit, whole, stuck, stagnant, can't get out, feels like you can't get out, and it's deep, and it's, you're desperate, and you're, you feel hopeless. You know what a pit is to some of you? The same thing over and over and over and over and over again. And there's certain things that you do not want to come home to or go to work to because it's the same ditch every time. So today, I want to talk to you about the pit test. And there's three P's that I'm going to talk about this morning. Everybody say three P's. There's three P's, quote unquote, (laughs) three P's that I want to talk to you about of uh, how we have to ask and we have to address during our pit season. Some of you, you're in a pit right now. Some of you, you just came out of a pit. Some of you will go into a pit one day or the other, but you have to have the tools to make sure you graduate and don't stay in that pit. Do you know that many Christians have been in a pit, the same pit actually, for years? And it's specific for every person, but every now and then they get in that pit, and then two, three years later they get out somehow, and then two, three years later they're back in the same pit. You know what a pit is also? A level of bondage in your life. It's a, it's a place that you feel you can't get free from. Oh, come on, some, somebody. A, a, am I preaching to anybody here in this church, all right? Come on, amen? Now, the first P that I want to address, and it's going to be on your screen, and you're going to shout it at the end. There's three P's that we're going to address of our pit season, and I'm going to break each one of them down. The first thing we have to address, and the first thing we have to ask is the first P, and that's the position of the pit. Now, I'm not talking about the location of the pit. You know, I'm going to explain what the position means. I am not talking about the pit in my life is right here. No, no. The position of the pit speaks of asking ourselves the tough question, how did I get in this position in the first place? How did I, come on, you ain't looking at me, you're looking down, look at me, look at me, look at me. How did I or my family or my friends get into this position in the first place? So when we talk about the position, the first P of the pit, we have to ask ourselves the tough question. 
how did I get here? And we have to be very wise to ask that question and to possibly, possibly admit, is there anything I did or attributed to or contributed to that caused me to be in this pit? Because see, here in our uh, Christendom in the Western world, none of us want to take responsibility. God forbid that we have anything to do, even if it's just a little bit of why we're in that pit. We are so used to blaming everybody when we fall into a pit. We're so used to, to saying, well, you know, uh, uh, and I'm not talking about condemnation. I'm talking about soul searching. Come on. I'm, talking about, I'm not talking about condemning yourself while you're in the pit, but you have to ask. The position of the pit is saying, what led me here in the first place? What circumstances have I neglected in my life, come on, that have brought me to this pit season? What areas have I yielded to that God told me not to yield to, and I find myself in a pit in this season. Come on, say amen. Because if we're honest with ourselves, many times when we're going through a pit and we're going through a difficult time in our life, we have a tendency to blame someone else for our pit season. Come on, don't make me go over there in your chair. Many times when we are going through long periods of difficulty, we have a tendency to say, it was because of this person. If it wasn't because of that person. Let me tell you something as your pastor. Listen, I'm going to say something really, really truthful, and I mean it with all my heart. I am sorry. I am sorry that you grew up the way you did, some of you. I'm, I'm sorry that your parents did things to you. I'm sorry that you got hurt by a church person or a church leader. I'm sorry that you grew up in a bad neighborhood. I am. I am sorry that you grew up with people doing things to you that they shouldn't have. But you know what? If you're ever going to get out of the pit that you've been in, you have to rise up and get over it. You have to address, take responsibility, and not wait till anybody else comes and rescue you out of the pit or identifies you in the pit. If you're ever going to get out of the pit you're in, you need to stop blaming other people and start taking responsibility. And that's not an insult, and that's not being insensitive. Because, you ha- because if you want to stay in the pit forever, then just blame everybody else and cry and cry and cry. But guess what? As, as spiritual as that may sound, that is not going to take you out of the pit that you're in. You, you have to say at some point in your life, you, we have to take ownership of our own life and our own freedom in our lives. Listen, at some point in our life, it's not just the devil's fault, my husband's fault, my son's fault, my job's fault, my church's fault. At some point in our life, we have to say, why am I in the pit and did I contribute a little bit to this and how am I going to get out of this? Come on, say amen. Come on, come on. Some of us are 45 years old and we've done nothing for God. Let's do something for God. 50 years old, same in the same pit. 55 years old, one of these days, you know, Pastor George, if it wasn't for this, and you know, it wasn't for my ex, and you know, it wasn't for my this, and it wasn't for start doing something for God. We're in a pit, and the first P that we need to address is why are we in the pit? Can I be honest with you, especially in finances? No one is making you spend the money that you're spending to make you in the pit that you're in. Oh, if it wasn't for this, no, 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 no. No one is forcing you to spend that much money the way you spend money. Stop blaming somebody else. Stop blaming uh, somebody else for, for even your health problem. Well, you know, if I didn't have my foot problem, I, I wouldn't be overweight. No, 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 no. No one's forcing food down your mouth. 
If, if it wasn't for this person, I'll be in leadership right now. Listen, tell, take responsibility and say, I'm going to do something about this pit season that I've been in for a long time. And I'm not going to wait till someone rescues me. Now watch, I'm going to help you this morning because the Pro- Proverbs chapter 24 verse 16 says something about people that fall. Watch this, watch this. Look, look at this, look it up. Proverbs chapter 24 verse 16. Look at the difference between a righteous person in God's eyes that trips up and their responsibility. And look at the, the, uh, the, the, w- how the world, world views tripping up, right? Being tripped up. Look at this. The godly, everybody say godly. May trip seven times. Watch this. But they, 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 not someone else helps them only. I'm not, we, we need someone else to get, help us to get us out of the pit. But we can't wait for someone else only to do that. We have to address the position. You know what? I feel this. I feel it. Keep that scripture up. Some of you are unhappy. Do something about it. Some of you don't have joy in your life. Do something about it. Identify why don't you have joy. I'm going to tell you prophetically why. Because you're waiting for somebody else to change for you to have your joy. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Some of you are waiting for a breakthrough in your spouse before you have joy yourself. Oh. Some of you are, are, are half joy, half sorrow because half of your sorrow is you are waiting for this person to have this breakthrough before you have your joy. Let me tell you something. The Bible is very clear. We will have to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. What a glorious day it will be when your pit season is not determined by somebody else. What a glorious day it will be. It says, if you want to stay there, that's fine. I'll be submissive to you. I'll still be uh, your spouse or I'll still, I'll still love you. But I'm going to go to the house of the Lord. Well, I don't want to go. Well, I'll go by myself because. I... Well, well, Pastor George, you're going a little too far there. We need to respect our husbands. We need to respect the Lord first. I'm not giving you an excuse, ladies, to be rebellious either. But I am saying we have to draw the line somewhere. Stop blaming other people for the pit season that you're at. No, watch this. You know what another pit season is? The Bible says Joseph was thrown in a well, watch this, with no water. Water is symbolic of the presence of God in the Bible. So if you are in a season where you don't have the presence of God and you're waiting for somebody else to give you that presence because they stole the presence of God. Let me tell you, I used to say this when I was in the youth group, when I was in the youth group years ago. Like, like we always say these cliches, the devil stole my joy. The devil stole this. It's like the, 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 the devil's walking around in Walmart with all these bottles. I got Susie's joy. I got George's joy. Oh, there it goes. I got Harvest's joy. All these bottles of joy. Ha <laughs> ha. I got them. They can't take it away from me. No, the devil can't. Can't take your joy. People can't take your joy. Lack of finances can't take your joy, but they do. They do. Why? Because we're in a culture that does not want to admit that we have something to do, not only with our pit, but for our freedom. Freedom and the pit has the same denominator. You. Freedom is not determined by other people in your life, and neither is the pit. 
Now, other people may have contributed you to falling into that pit, but you can't wait for other people to get you out of the pit. Now, now watch this, watch this, watch this. I want to shout. Look, 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 how, look how Joshua responded. Look how Joshua responded to the Lord when it was actually somebody else's fault. Now, now I'm going to flip the script on you. You thought you were safe. But now I'm going to tell you that sometimes it is other people's fault, but the response from God is still the same when it's not your fault. So let's say it's somebody else's fault while you're in a pit because that happens. They forced your hand. You didn't want to do it. You're trying to do all the right things, and somebody else or some other entity in a way forced you to do something against your will, watch this, and now you feel defeat. I want you to see how Joshua responded when this Israelite on the same team of, of Joshua, an Israelite stole something, his name was Achan, and he stole a treasury that the Lord says, you will not touch. And because after they just got out of Jericho, Jericho was a big deal, guys. Read your history. Jericho was not a small act. It was a huge city with fortified walls, and they just came out of this glorious victory. And then they were going to fight this little city after they conquered Jericho named Ai, and they said, look, don't even send that many people. The Bible says that because of one person's disobedience, all of Israel and the troops, watch this, got into a pit because of somebody else. But watch how the Lord responds even when somebody else threw that in the pit. Look, look at this. Oh, I'm going to shout for a second here. Joshua chapter 7. We're going to read a lot of scriptures. We're going to go fast, okay? Verse 1. Are you getting something? Verse 1 in the NLT. But Israel violated the instructions. This is going to be on your screen. About the things set apart. Do you see that? Do you see that? Watch this. A man named Achan. Now, just one person. Not all of Israel. One, right? Stole some of the dedicated things so that the Lord was very angry. Watch this. Not just with Achan. With the Israelites. Achan was a son of Carmi, a descendant of Zimri. Come on, somebody with those names. Son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah. Joshua sent some of these men from Jericho to spy out the town of Ai. Watch this. Read with me. East of Bethel, near Beth-Avon. When they returned, they told Joshua, hey, listen, no need for us to go up there. It won't take more than two or 3,000 men to attack Ai. That, that's just a small number compared to what Israel was used to fighting with. Since there are only a few of them there, don't make our people struggle to go up there. Watch this. So approximately 3,000 warriors were sent, but they were soundly defeated. Wait, wait, this is... This is Israel who just came out, just came out of a big, big victory. Watch this. So approximately 3,000 warriors were sent, but they were soundly defeated. The men of Ai chased the Israelites from the town gate as far as the the, the quarries. And watch this. And they killed about 36 uh, men who were retreating down the slope. The Israelites were paralyzed with fear. What? What? These were the same people that just marched around this fortified city in silence for seven days. Then on the seventh day, they shouted and the walls came down just a few days earlier. They're going to a little city in Ai and they're getting defeated. Now watch this. Watch this. I'm, I'm going to go there. They chased Israel down. The Israels were paralyzed with fear at this turn of events and their courage was melted away. Look at verse 6. 
Watch this. I'm going to keep going into verse 12. Joshua and the elders of Israel tore their clothes in dismay. Watch this. Threw dust on the heads and bowed their face down on the ground. We said it. We were in the pit, right? And the ark of the Lord until evening. Watch this. Keep going. Then Joshua cried out, Oh, sovereign Lord, why did you bring us across the Jordan River? If you're going to let these Amorites kill us, if we only, could you see, I could only see, if we only had been content to stay on the other side. Lord, what can I say now that Israel has fled from all his enemies? <laughs> For when the Canaanites and all the other people, as I can imagine God saying, hurry up, hurry up, watch, watch. And the other people living. Now, now this was, watch this, this was other people doing this to him. Joshua did nothing wrong. So here's the balance. It was somebody on his team that disobeyed, yet all of Israel were suffering for it. He was in a pit. They were in a pit. They got defeated. They were in a pit season. Watch how God responds. When they hear about it, they'll surround us and they wipe our name off the face of the earth. It's like, and then what will happen to the honor of your great name? And in the middle of him crying, God interrupts him and says, get up. Why are you laying on your face like this? You don't understand. We've been defeated. I'm serving you. Get up. It's almost that face when you get, you know, like, get up. What? You're not listening to my tears right now? Yes, I am. But the answer to getting out of the pit is the same if you put yourself in there or another person sets you in there. You got to get up. You got to get up. You got to read your Bible. You got to pray. You got to put your clothes on. You got to shake your dust off of you. You got to show up and be faithful. You got to abstain away from sin. Now you skip to the last verse. Look at the last verse. Go to the last verse here because of time. The last verse of what I gave you. Um, I'm not sure what what, what it is because I don't have the verses in my thing. It says, watch what the Lord says. It says, no, 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 no. The last verse of Joshua, chapter 7, verse 12, verse 12. Joshua, chapter 7, verse 12. Watch what it says. The Lord says, that is why the Israelites are running away from their enemies in defeat, because Achan touched something was not, watch this. For now, Israel itself has been set apart for destruction. This is the Lord. L- listen, I, are you ready for this? This is the, the first P. Why am I here? Watch this. I will not remain with you any longer. Unless you, everybody say you, unless you do something about it, unless you destroy the things among you that were set apart for destruction. In other words, God is saying, I know you're in a pit, Joshua. I know that someone did it and it was against your own will. But even in this season, if you don't do something about it, I will no longer be with you. And you know what the Bible says he did? Because of lack of time, I won't do it. He not only destroyed the accursed things, but he brought judgment on Achan, and he perished. He dealt with it. Everybody say, deal with it. Come on, everybody say, deal with it. Sometimes in the pit season, you got to identify what that it is and deal with it. We have a negative connotation of the word confrontation in the church because we think confrontation is, I told you, I'm not going to stand for this anymore. Confrontation doesn't mean rudeness. Confrontation means addressing something. 
If you're passive, you need to confront your passivity. That's how you get out of the pit, confronting the issue. If you're unhappy, stop being silent about it and talk about it. If your spouse is, is making you unhappy, don't be, the silent treatment is actually the worst thing you could do. I'm not getting a lot of amens here this morning. So if we are in a pit, the first P we have to address is the position. In other words, what got me here? Don't blame anybody else for your pit, which leads me to the second P we need to address when we're in a pit season. Okay, are you ready? The last two, you're going really, to really get something out of this. And Tiffany, and she's not here right now, but Tiffany and Chris, you're going to love this because I actually had this. It's the perspective of the pit. The first P we need to address when we're in the pit is the position. In other words, how we get here. Come on, say that with me. Say, how did I get here? Now, let the Holy Spirit answer that honestly with you. Come on, honestly. Not spiritually. Honestly, ask you, how did I get here? How did I get into, this pit, into the pit of depression? Did I just wake up one day and I just got depressed? Or did some, a series of things happen that, lo- that led me to this place, this pit, where I feel like I can't get out of. Ask yourself that and address it. Number two, perspective of the pit. Okay, here it goes. What is God trying to get you and I to see while we're in a pit season? We got quiet up in this Methodist church here. What? That's perspective. What is God trying to get you and I to see during our pit season, have you ever thought and stopped and thought about that? That while you're in the pit season, what is the perspective of God? Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Not of the devil, but of God. Because you could identify with the perspective of the enemy while you're in the pit. Or you could identify the perspective of God while you're in the pit. Now, that's hard to figure out. But in order for us, watch this. Look at this next point. We must seek God to biblically see the right perspective in what the Lord's plan is during our pit season. I'm going to say that again. We must seek God to biblically see the right perspective in what the Lord's plan. Not my hurt, not my offense, not my, my unfairness treatment. Is what is the Lord's plan in all this? We may not know, but you know what? We need to pray to seek the biblical perspective. Because if we don't have the biblical perspective in our pit season, we will have a hardened heart and an offended heart. Condemnation and hopelessness will try to overtake you when you're in a pit season. And if you don't have that, you, uh, he, he, watch this. Look at this next slide. I'm going to just put it up there. Anytime we're going through an extended time of difficulty in our lives, I want you to take a picture of this. We need to have a biblical perspective behind the pit season so we don't develop an offended or hardened heart. If we don't perceive properly, it will take a long time for us to get out of that pit. We must perceive properly because, let me tell you something, our hearts are hardened. You know what? We talk about the last days. That's also, if you perceive what's happening in our nation as, oh, my God, God's left me, you'll get offended. But if you say this is all part of the plan, the coming storm is all part of the plan to purge darkness out of the earth, it's going to get darker. 
But if we don't know the perspective of the Lord on things, we're going to say, God abandoned me. God left me. And we're going to be offended. I don't want to be offended. Like that song, When It All Comes Down by Misty Edwards. I don't want to be offended. You know what he's talk- she's talking about? When everything goes down and everyone expecting for us to get on that rapture bus. Yes, I said it. And everyone's thinking, oh, my God, we should have left by now. And then you have all this trouble in the world. Many who are not wise and many who are not biblically perceptive are going to be offended. In the, you know, the Bible says that even the very elect are going to be deceived in Matthew chapter 24. We have to have the right perspective biblically when we're in the pit season or else we will convince ourselves that God has abandoned us. Come on, let's be honest. When you're in a pit, it feels lonely. When you're in a pit... It feels like God doesn't answer your prayers. Come on, am I speaking to myself? Look how Elisha responded when he saw, when he knew in the physical, not in the spiritual, when he knew in the physical that an army of troops were coming. Watch this. Zoom in on me. Hone in on me what I'm about to say. All hell was about to break loose over Elisha's life. And Elijah was probably eating a little hamburger like a Jewish, uh, you know, yeah. And he was just like in peace, and his assistant was freaking out. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Elijah, Elijah. and Elijah's just kind of like, oh, boy, it was a long day today. Lord, you're good. And his his assistant, watch, watch perspective. Everybody say perspective. Perspective, come on, say perspective. Your perspective will change your emotions. Your perspective will change how you respond to something. It's funny that you can have the same thing and one person responds totally different and one person responds totally different to the same thing. It's like like if someone sees that flag and someone says, oh, my God, a flag. And one goes, yep, it's a flag. Or how about more modern? There's a fire. And someone goes, there's a fire. Oh, my God, oh, my God. And then another person like PK, it's a fire. Don't worry about it. You know, you know the difference between emotions, outbreak, and losing your mind and peace? Perspective. You all ain't saying amen good enough this morning. Now, look at what Elisha acted like. And look at the difference. By the way, his assistant was very close to Elisha. He should have learned by now. There's a reason why Elisha's calm. Elisha's calm as could be. Because he had the right perspective. And let me give a little footnote, a little prophetic footnote. Having the right perspective knows, uh, is is rooted in knowing what's coming, no matter what happens, that you're going to be okay. That resolute knowledge, no matter what happens. Hey, throw me into the fire. How do you know Jesus will show up? I don't know, but if he doesn't, I'm not going to bow down to you, O king. No, did you hear what I said? I'm going to throw you into a lion, like lions. Uh-huh, yeah, I heard what you said. I heard what you said. And you know what the Bible says about Daniel? Let it be known that the God that we serve is able to protect us out of the fiery flames. And you know what they said afterwards? But let it be known even if he doesn't. Let it be known, O king, even if he doesn't, we will not bow down to your idol image. So they were willing to die. Because of perspective. Now watch Elisha now. Watch this, watch this, watch this. Verse 15. You guys are getting happy? So am I. When the servant of the man of God. Look at this. He got up early the next morning. It's on your screen. And went outside. And there were troops. Everybody say troops. There were horses. Everybody say horses. 
Now, this was not his imagination. He actually saw physical troops. Some of you go, oh, it's all in your head. No, 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 not, this time it was not in his head. He's like, uh-oh, <laughs> Elijah, I don't know. If, do you see what I see? Yeah, yeah, I do. Do you see what I see? You just missed that. Elijah, do you see what I see? Troops, horses, they're coming for two people. <laughs> Me and you, mostly you, though. And Elisha didn't say this, but he kind of roundabout said, yeah, I see what you see. But do you see what I see in the spirit? It's all perspective. You know why someone could be calm and someone could be, could, could be calm and someone could go crazy for the same thing that they see? is because one has the biblical perspective and another one doesn't. I'm going to say it again. Do you know why you could freak out with two people see the same thing? Because one of them has a biblical perspective and one of them doesn't. Look at this. Look at this. Oh, sir, what will we do now? Another person crying in the Bible. The young man cried to Elijah. Don't be afraid, Elijah told him. For there are more on our side than on theirs. Now, now don't read. I know we, we, we had this before. But at that time, I could have probably identified with the assistant. I would have been like, this guy's old rocker. He's he's knocked. He's he's getting up in the age. He's he's lost his mind. What are you talking about? There's more. There's two of us, and there's hundreds of them. Everybody say perspective. Are you ready for this? Then Elisha prayed. Here's perspective. Oh Lord, open up his eyes. And let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes. And when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. All of a sudden, he blinked his eyes and he goes, oh, my God. Was this here all the time, Elijah? It was there all the time, my son. You just didn't have the right perspective. That's why I could chill out and you're freaking out because I already know what's happening. There's more on our side than there's against us. When you are in a pit season, open your eyes to what the Holy Spirit is trying to tell you. What's the plan while you're in the pit? The perspective is always God's victory for you. Everybody say perspective. Everybody say perspective. Here's a little, here's a little clue about perspective too. People that are men and women of God, they see things before it comes out in the natural. They see things. I remember I heard a story years ago that Disney, uh, Walt Disney was looking at, uh, here before he died, and he was looking at a, at a piece of, uh, of, of, of property that was, they were forming, you know, the, the, the Disney World here because they already had Disney World in, a, in California. And he was just smiling, and someone came up to him and said, well, what are you staring at? What are you la- looking at? What are you smiling at? There was nothing. It was dirt. He goes, I'm looking at my mountain. I'm looking at my mountain. What's that roller coaster called? That's what he was looking at. He's like, this is where Space Mountain is going to be. You know what it is? Pers- people that have the right perspective see things before it manifests in the natural. So you and I have to understand what the position of the pit is. And number two, we have to understand, listen, listen, the perspective of the pit This is what happened to Joseph and even Jacob. Listen to me. This is sad, but it's true. Do you know that Jacob, the father of Joseph and all these brothers, believed a wrong perspective? And when you believe the wrong perspective, here's, here's a clue for you. You will be stuck in believing lies for many years of your life. 
Jacob was in anguish for years because he believed the perspective of his sons telling him that Joseph died by the wild animal. And let me tell you something. And he believed the lie and all the time that Joseph was very alive indeed. You know what really strikes me about that story? That not one time did the brothers, this is a whole other sermon. But when you are blind spiritually and you're filled with anger and rage, you cannot have the right perspective. You can't. When you're struggling with anger, you can't see right. You can't discern right. You know what really strikes me, guys? All the, all the time, I'm just imagining that his father, their father was going to bed crying, Joseph. And, and they heard it across the hall and never said, let's tell dad the truth. They let him cry. They let him believe the lie and anguish. And they saw his, their dad suffer. I don't know about you, but that is callous. What happens when we, when we cross that line and we've been in a pit for so long, we get used to justifying things while we're in the pit. Justify temptations, justify anger, justify bitterness, justify unforgiveness. I've been in a pit too long. I want everybody to come with me now. If I ain't going to be happy, I'm bringing everybody to my pit, my pit, my pit, my anger, my world, my loneliness. You would think that these brothers would have said, guys, do you hear dad crying? Don't you hear him crying? He's weeping every day. We told him that Joseph is dead. You know he's not dead. Leave him. Let him cry. That's the callousness of what happens when you have the wrong perspective. See, the truth is that they had the wrong perspective of Joseph also. Because Joseph was chosen by God, not because God loved him more than everybody else. It's because Joseph had a purpose. And his greater purpose was to set a whole nation free. But but his brothers didn't see that. They only saw the cloak in many colors. Wrong perception caused them to do wrong actions. Let me say that again. Your perception about a situation will, will, will set you in a perpetual motion of wrong decisions. Wrong decisions because of wrong perception. Can I hear an amen? The devil doesn't have lies. He's the father of lies. He doesn't run out of lies. And someone who is in a pit is very easy to believe the lie and the accuser of the, of, of the brethren. And the devil will wait because the devil doesn't play fair. The devil will wait until you're in a pit to whisper in your ear and say this. You're never going to get out of this pit. You're never going to get healed of this affliction. You're never going to get healed of that. You've opened too many doors to be on fire for God again. Don't just, just might as well just, might as well just go ahead and and close some doors. But you can't close every door because you'll never be on fire that again again. You're you're never going to be trusted with ministry again. You're never going to get out of this financial rut, rut. And the enemy will always come in your pit seasons and whisper that you're never going to get out of that pit. If you have the wrong perspective, the first voice you will always hear is the accuser of the brethren. Oh, come on. Oh, come on. Oh, come on. If you have the wrong perspective, the voice of the enemy says, you're never going to get out. You're never going to be happy in this marriage. Might as well give up right now, die in this pit. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Don't you think I've thought about that with my afflictions I'm going through? And I mean, don't you think, look, if the devil is man enough to come to Jesus, he's surely going to come up to me. And he's surely going to come up to you. The Bible says the devil came up to Jesus himself. Jesus himself. And said, if you're the son of God, 
turn these stones into bread. But notice when he did it. It wasn't when Jesus was full. He always waits till we're in the pit to whisper us because his voice becomes really real when we're in a pit. Listen, I don't know about you, but if I've been fasting for 40 days with no water and no food, it's like the cartoons. Remember Bugs Bunny and the cartoons years ago when they used to look at, like they'd been fat, they had to eat, and they, they saw a skinny dude, and he turned into a hot dog. <laughs> I'm going to eat you right now after, after service. I'm going to eat you, Harvest, you know. <laughs> no, watch this, watch this. 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus, let's, let's stop spiritualizing everything, okay? was hungry. As a matter of fact, I'm not just saying that. The Bible says, and Jesus was hungry. He was. The Bible says, the Bible says, and after 40 days, he hungered. So guess what? Guess what? Is the devil going to say, ha, he's hungry, so let's throw the temptation of women on him. No, that didn't make sense at that time. It says he's hungry. Let's hit him where it hurts the most. Tell him that he's all powerful and have him turn these stones into bread. Man, if that was me and you, we'd be like, come on. I'll, listen, I'm going to prove to you because I'm going to eat good right now. And I'm going to turn this stone into a big loaf of bread with mantequilla on the top. And I'm going to put some bacon in it. And I'm going to show you. Jesus, watch this. The devil, the devil came to Jesus when he was at his lowest. Don't think that the enemy's voice is not going to be loud when you're in a pit. And by the way, when you're in a pit... The voice of the devil becomes so real in your life that it almost makes it seem like your own voice. Don't get Satan's perspective. Now watch this. You're going to shout this last one. The first P is the position. The second P is the perspective of the pit. Here is the third P that we have to address when we're in the pit. Are you ready? The purpose of the pit. You got the position of the pit? Why did I get in here? You got the perspective of the, of, of the pit. What am I trying to get God to see in the pit? What is God trying to tell me to see? And then you have the purpose of the pit. Be in, every, whew, in every pit season you are going through, there's a purpose in the pit. But if you miss the purpose, you can stay there longer. Look at this. Watch this. Look at this slide. One of the main purposes of every pit is to get us to cry out to God in surrender. What's the purpose? Watch this. And shift us from our strength to depending on his strength alone. One of the purposes of the pit, guys, listen to me, is to finally get you to surrender to God. One of the purposes of the pit is so that it could get us to cry out and shift us from dependence, independence to dependence on God. Some of us, you're so used to doing things on your own strength that you have not cried out to God. And because of our stubbornness, because of our, uh, our hardness of heart, God sometimes has to allow a pit season to come so we could cry out and surrender. That's what he was trying to do to Jonah the whole time. Jonah was spoken by in the Bible. And the Bible says that he, watch this, I'm going to share something powerful to you, that Jonah was in a pit not because he, quote, unquote, opened up the doors to lust. It's because he was running away from his calling oh my god 
wait a minute, wait a minute. I understand going into a pit because I, find, I, 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 miss, uh, I spent so much money and I'm in a financial pit. I can understand getting in a pit because I open the doors and I'm angry and I have bitterness. But what if I just don't want to do the call of God even though I'm still coming to church? I'm still going to Bible study. I still love Jesus. I still do my devotionals. But I refuse to do the call of God because I just don't know if I could pay that price. God, watch this. God told Jonah, I want you to preach to a city in Nineveh. And I want you to preach judgment on them because I want that judgment message to shift them to repent. And Nineveh goes, I don't want to do it. I, they're rebellious, and you know what? I don't want to do it. He got, the Bible says he got on a boat to Tarshish, which is the opposite direction. If you look at the, the map, it's the opposite direction on purpose. It's funny how you could be so miserable that you could go on the opposite direction on purpose. He goes, I want to go to the opposite direction. I want to go far away from Nineveh, right? So you know what happens, right? The storm comes, and everyone's freaking out. And I'm going to read it to you. Watch this. What's the purpose of the pit? One of them. What's the purpose of the pit? To what? Surrender and what? Cry out. Are you ready for this? Jonah, the storm came and everyone was freaking out. What's happening? It's so funny. It's just like Jesus. Everyone's freaking out and Jonah's in the back going. They're like, wake up. Don't you know? What's happening? What did you do? What did you do? This is actually said that. What did you do, Jonah, to offend the gods, plural? Jonah took a deep breath and he goes, it's me, guys. What are you talking about? Imagine, this is a scene. What's happening? You have to shout, you know, the wind is like, why are you doing to God? I'm running away from the call of God in my life, and this is why this is happening. What can we do? Throw me out. Throw me out. Are you sure? If you read it, the Bible said they actually tried to keep rowing because they didn't want to throw Jonah because they were scared. Because when they found out he was a Hebrew man that feared God, they were more afraid, the Bible says. He was a Hebrew man. They knew about the Hebrew God. He goes, just throw me out. It's, it's my fault. Watch this. Are you ready for this? Jonah chapter 1 verse 15 in the NLT. And then we're going to go right to the, 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 the second chapter. Then the sailors picked up Jonah. <laughs> Threw him in the raging sea. And the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power. And they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve the Lord. Now the Lord. Uh oh. You're going to be. You're not, you, this is not going to be theologically right in some of your, in your eyes. The Lord had arranged. Arranged. <laughs> arranged. Hey fish. I'm going to talk to you for a second. I'm all creator. And I'm going to command you in just a couple moments now. There's going to be a rebellious, backsliding prophet that doesn't want to do my calling. And I'm going to throw him into a pit for a purpose. There's a purpose that I'm after. So in a few moments, I'm going to arrange for you to be right next to that boat. Well, The whale goes, okay. Now watch this. The Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days, three nights. Still nothing. First day, nothing. That's what, we are so hard-headed and knucklehead. Man, if it, by, by the time the fish, if it would have been me, all the fish would have to do was this. Ah. And I would have been like, ah, Lord God, I repent. 
bad. Jonah was like, think about this. I ain't going to do it. The fish is like, ah. He's like, now he's in the belly. Now he's in the belly, guys. He's in the belly. All the, all the stomach juices are like, trying to eat him up. He's like, getting a little uncomfortable here. Really don't like this. Now watch this, watch this. Look at chapter 2. Look at chapter 2. Then after three days, you talk about hard, hard, uh, a knucklehead? Three days. What was the purpose of the whale? What was the purpose of the pit? Watch this now. You're going to shout. Jonah prayed to the Lord God from the fish's belly, which is a symbolic of the pit. And he cried out. Watch this. To the Lord. Are you ready for this? I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. And he answered me out of the belly of Sheol. Oh, here he goes now. Of Sheol I have cried out and you have heard my voice. What is the purpose, one of the main purposes of the pit season? I want the worship team to start coming up. What is one of the main purposes? Is so he could get you from pride to humility so you could surrender and cry out to God and stop trying to do it in your own strength. Watch this, watch this. He, get, he said, I, you will never do anything in your own strength. You can't save your marriage in your own strength. You can't avoid lust in your own strength. You can't avoid temptation in your own strength. Nothing in your own power could give you the strength to overcome what you're dealing with if you don't invite the person of Jesus and the person of the Holy Spirit in the midst of your pit. Listen, listen. He said, I cried out in the midst of my what? Come on, come on, in the midst of my what? Do you know that sometimes God uses affliction so we could cry out? Do you know what the word Sheol means? It's an Old Testament Hebrew word. Are you ready for this? Meaning the pit. <laughs> Wait, I cried out from Sheol. In other words, I cried out from the pit. From the pit, I cried out. Listen, and out of the belly of the pit, I cried out, and you heard my voice. And he answered me out of the belly of Sheol. Let let me just say this in closing. It doesn't stop there. I I saved the best for last, guys. There's going to be some tears here in just a moment. Some of you are already crying. The purpose of the pit is to get us to a place of surrender. Because he's been trying to chase you. He's been trying to take you to a place of surrender for years, but he's like, I got this. I'm going to do this on my own. No, I'm going to do this on my own. No, I don't need, no, I got, I got this, no. And then you're, you get to a place that you have no more strength, no more capability within yourself to save your marriage. No more capability within yourself to get healed. I told somebody the other day, they said, how does it feel, your affliction? I said, it feels like, I'm just going to be truthful. I said, it feels emotionally. Now, this is the first time I'm going to say this to you. It feels like every day I wake up and I know I'm going to go into jail. They're going to lock the door. And they're going to throw gasoline in the jail. And they're going to throw a match in there. And I know that I'm going to survive every day. But I'm going to have to feel that heat. And I know that there's no way out. I just got to find a, a pocket. You know why? Because he wants to get us to surrender. He wants to get us to cry out in the midst of the pit that we're in. Cry out in humility. Now watch this. That's the first one. Are you ready for the second one? This is, this is a key. Because we find 
a prophetic, powerful revelation in the story of Genesis 37. And I read it fast on purpose so you wouldn't get it because I want to harp on it right now. And prophetically, we see a huge purpose for the pit if you observe the story of Reuben, the firstborn, and what his true intentions were the whole time that Joseph was in the pit. I want you to see something because Reuben was the firstborn. Everybody say firstborn. And if you remember, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 37, verse 22, it reveals the purpose of the pit. Are you ready? Watch this. It reveals the purpose of the pit. And verse 22 says, and and we already read this, but I'm going to read it slow so you can have that aha moment. And Reuben said to them, shed no blood. In other words, they were going to kill him. Hey, let's kill him. Reuben goes, hey, there's a pit right over there. Let's put him in that pit. Watch this, watch this. Let's put him in that pit. Oh, how terrible Reuben is. No, 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 no. If you really look at the prophetic side of it, you will see an allegory of even Jesus himself in this picture. Why? Because Reuben, being the firstborn, the Bible says that he said, cast him into the pit in the wilderness. Watch this. He was trying to get Joseph out of their hands. And in order to rescue Joseph and eventually deliver him again to the Father. One of the purposes of the pit season is to eventually deliver you and bring you back to the Father. One of the purposes of why you're in the pit is so that God, by His Holy Spirit, can deliver you from your prideful ways, deliver you from your arrogant ways, deliver you from your hard-heartedness. And there's a secret behind the pit. The secret was Reuben, the firstborn, says, I'm going to throw into the pit because you boys are ready to kill him. But the Bible says, the firstborn Reuben says, I want to throw in the pit so I can deliver him and bring him back to dad. Oh, God. You know what the Bible says about Jesus? He's the firstborn of many brethren. He is the firstborn, firstborn. Jesus, the Son of God, was the firstborn of all creation. And Jesus, being the firstborn, says, you know why you're in the pit? Watch this. One of the greatest purposes of every pit. Deliver us. Bring us back to the Father. Reuben said to himself, He said it quietly. Joseph doesn't know the reason I'm instigating him to go to this pit. He has no idea. He's going to blame me for many years like we blame God. He's going to blame me for many years. But the truth is I know my brothers and they want to kill him. They want to kill him. So to deliver him, let's put him in a pit because I foresee the day that I'm going to get him out of this pit and bring him back to the Father. The purpose of the pit is for you to cry out to God and surrender and deliver you and bring you back to the Father. I don't know what pit you're in this morning. I don't know what financial pit you are, what emotional pit, what family pit you are in this morning. But the purpose of your pit is so that eventually you could cry out to the living God and say, I can't do this by myself. I can't do this any longer. If God is not going to come through, I'm going to lose my mind to get to a place of surrender so that the Holy Spirit could get me and deliver me and bring me back to the Father. 
So watch this. You're gonna get, you, I want everyone to stand up for a second and we're gonna close. Everybody say position. Come on, everybody say position. Position is how do I get here? Number two, everybody say perspective. Come on, say perspective. Perspective says in the pit season, do you see what I see? Come on, say this after me. Say, God says, come on, say, God says, do you see what I see? Or do you see what you see? Do you see what the enemy sees? What's your perspective, church, in your pit season? But, Pastor, I'm suffering. Yep, so is Joseph. But fast forward three, 13 years, a long time. If Joseph would have had the perspective of the end outcome, it would have made it easier for him to endure. Because he knew one day, it took him 13 years, there will be a famine in the land. And God will use the pit seasons of Joseph's life to raise him into a place of prominence. And he would deliver an entire nation from famine. And number three, watch this. Say purpose. Come on, say shout with me. Say purpose. The purpose of your pit season is to get you to surrender. Cry out to God. Cry out from the sheep from the pit of Sheol to deliver you and bring you back to the Father. Some of you have been in the pit season for so long and you felt like you've been away from Abba. You've been away from the Father. But God says, no, there's a perception, there's a position, and there's a purpose. There's a position, there's a perspective, and there's a purpose for your pit. And all of us are in our different seasons. Some of you are in the position phase where you need to say, what got me here? And I need to address this. If it's finances, if it's health, I need to address it and get out of the pit. Some of you, you're not doing anything wrong, but you have the wrong perspective. And today, God's going to bring healing. But thirdly, there's some of you, you're doing all the things right. Just like Joseph. He mostly did everything right. But he found himself in a pit. Listen to me. And Reuben's purpose, like the Lord's purpose, is to eventually deliver you and bring you to the Father. You want the purpose of the pit? Greater intimacy with God. To get you to cry out and say, it's not by might, it's not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. John chapter 15. Father says, I am the vine. You are the branches. And without me, you could do nothing. Nothing in the Greek means nothing. Nothing. So I want you to close your eyes right now and lift up your hands right now to the Lord. Come on, all over this place, I want you to examine yourself. Do you find yourself in a pit this season? Are you going to pass the pit test in order for you to graduate from calling to destiny? You must pass the pit test. You must pass the place where you've been in a pit in your family. You've been in a hole. You've been stuck. You've been stagnant. God says, I don't want to keep you there. It's a test so that you can shape yourselves, so that I can shape you in character, so I can shape you in strength. But you need to ask yourself why you're in here. Come on. You need to ask yourself, what do I see? What's the perspective of my pit season? 
And I want to understand the purpose. When you understand the purpose, you'll get excited. You said, oh, wait a minute. The purpose is for me to eventually cry out and bring me back to the Father. Okay, Lord, I surrender. Okay, Lord, here am I. Send me. Okay, I'm going to stop running for my calling. And some of you, you're in a pit because of Jonah. Because you have a call and you're obedient to the Lord. But you know that that call is going to require a sacrifice. And you know that call is going to require a price for you to pay. And you're refusing to go all out because you're too tired. And because you don't want to pay that price. I got news for you. If you keep on running from the call of God in your life, you will find yourself in a pit like Jonah. It was only when Jonah said, okay, I surrender, that the Bible says that the fish vomited him out and he went to Nineveh that's the part I didn't tell you and he preached the, the, the good news of judgment and repentance to Nineveh the Bible says that all of Nineveh turned your pit has a purpose your pit has a perspective the Holy Spirit's waiting on you close your eyes I want you to just sing something, Joanne, in the background. And if you're in this room and you find yourself in a pit, you find yourself in a pit season, I don't want you to be prideful because remember, the first test was pride. Some of us already passed. We can't even get out of the pit because we can't pass the pride test. Humility is needed. Perspective is needed. Purpose is needed. I hear the Lord saying, don't beat yourself up in condemnation, but ask yourself that tough question. Do some soul searching and say, why am I in this pit? Today the Lord wants to get you out. The Lord wants you to invite him and bring healing and and admit that you need help. Come on, admit that maybe you have contributed to this. I want you to lift up your hands right now. Close your eyes right now. Come on, close your eyes and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. I prophesy you're coming out of this pit season. I prophesy that you're going to be healed from this pit season you're in. The Lord wants you to surrender. He wants you to cry out. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Yes. Come on. Come on. I feel the Holy Spirit. God wants you to pass this pit test. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. If you want this, if you feel this, Thank you for tuning in. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.